Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with human need trumping the law, as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verse 4. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And so Jesus said, don't you remember what David did when he was hungry? How he went in and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for a man to eat. So Jesus makes an allusion to this thing of David, showing that human need rises above the law. Human hunger. These guys are hungry. Forget this little work bit of rubbing the wheat in your hands. They're hungry. And the hunger supersedes the fine point of the law. Even as with David, the guys are hungry. Yes, it's not lawful that they should eat this showbread. Yes, it's supposed to be, you know, only there for the priest to eat, but the guys are hungry. And so the human hunger supersedes the fine points of the law, the point that Jesus was making. And of course, using this particular instance with David as the illustration of the point, which of course everybody accepted that David had done. In other words, there was no wrongdoing here. So the priest gave him the hallowed bread, verse six, where there was no bread except the show bread that was taken from before the Lord and put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. So they ate the bread that had been sitting there all week before the Lord when it was replaced by this new hot bread. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, and his name was Doeg, and he was an Edomite. Doeg, and you could very well pronounce it dog because he turned out to be a real dog. And he was the head over the herdsmen that belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, do you have here any spear or any sword? For I didn't bring any sword or weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, well, I have the sword of Goliath that you took from him when you killed him, and it's wrapped here in a cloth behind the ephod. And so if you will take it, there's no other but that one here. So David said, ah, there's no sword like that one. Give it to me. So David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and he went to Achish, the king of Gath. So actually, he fled down to the camp of the Philistines, to the enemy, the city of Gath, and to King Achish. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David, the king of the land? Did not they sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and he was afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. I mean, they said, hey, this is that David, you know, wiped out the giant. This is David. They were singing about killing his thousands, you know. And so David thought, oh, oh man, I've had it down here. The king's going to do me in. So they brought David in before the king, And David changed his behavior, and he acted like he was a madman. He began to scrabble on the doors of the gate, and he let his spit run down his beard, and and just, you know, acted like he was insane. And so Achish said to his servants, hey, the guy is crazy. Why have you brought him to me? 
I don't need any madmen that you've brought this fellow to play a madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? And so he sent David away, and David escaped, of course, out of the guy's hand. Of course, he wasn't afraid of some guy that was so weird. Uh, I, I personally <laughs> like it. I, I think David is just a, you know, he, he's a neat kind of a shrewd kind of a guy. I, I just like him. And uh, yet, here's an interesting thing, my hero, but I, I sort of admire his, his wit and his, you know, his, his little act here in getting out of trouble. Yet there's an interesting verse of Scripture that says, the fear of man brings a snare. Now, it does definitely declare that David was afraid of Achish. And the fear of man can oftentimes cause a person to act like a fool. It brings a snare. And so my brave David, not afraid of the giant, is afraid of the king. And so acting like a madman, he's reduced to a man with spit running down his beard and scrabbling on the doors and the gates. But he did escape out of the hand of Achish. And he went from there and he escaped to the cave at Adullam. And when his brother and all of his father's house heard of it, they went down to him there. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there came about 400 men. So from out of all of the land, David began to gather together a band of men, a motley crew to be sure. Everyone who was distressed, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented, they gathered together with David down there at Abdullam. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. So he actually crossed over in uh, the area of the Dead Sea, went over to the other side to Moab, and there he established his family. Now he knew that Saul's anger against him would ultimately turn against his family. So he said to the Moabites, let my father and my mother dwell here until I find out what God's going to do with me. And so he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with the king of Moab all the while that David was in the hold. Verse 4. Now the word hold is masadah. And there are those who believe that actually David was there in the hold or in the, in the fort of Masada, which, of course, was later really developed by King Herod as a winter palace and a fortress. So it is possible. David was down in that area of the Dead Sea. It is possible that this is indeed a reference to Masada, but he was there in the hold or in the fort wherever it might have been. Now, I want you to put a little note here to read Psalm 57 and Psalm 142. Both of these psalms were written at this particular time of David's experiences. And so 
I want you to go home tonight and read these two psalms, but I want you to be thinking now of the, of the background of these two psalms. As David writes Psalm 47 and Psalm 157, rather, and Psalm 142, he's down there, Saul is pursuing him, he's just taken his parents to safety over in Moab, he's, he's hiding there in the wilderness area down near the Dead Sea. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the fortress or in the hold in Masada. Depart and get thee to the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Herath. Now a prophet by the name of Gad, whoever he was, told David not to stay there but to get into Judah. So when Saul heard that David was discovered and the men that were with him, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under a tree in Ramah, having his spear in his hand, and all of his servants were standing around him. And Saul said to his servants that stood about him, Hear now, ye Benjamites, this son of Jesse, will he give every one of you fields and vineyards and make all of you captains of the thousands and captains of hundreds, that all of you have conspired against me? In other words, he is saying, hey, you Benjamites, I'm a Benjamite. Look what I've done for you. And, you know, if you elect me president, I'll do this and this and this. I mean, it's sort of a political speech uh, against David. And, you know, if David's elected, if David's accepted his game, he's not going to treat you Benjamites. So, well, he's from the house of Judah, you know, Jesse and so forth. He's not going to be as nice to you as I've been to you. He's not going to make you the captains over the thousands and hundreds. He's not going to give you fields and all. And here, look what I've done for you, and, and, and you guys are, are, are turned against me. You're, you're in favor of David instead of me. None of you will really tell me uh, where he is. You've conspired against me. And, and you haven't shown me that my son Jonathan has made a league with David. There's none of you that's sorry for me. Then answered this dog fellow, and he said, I saw this son of Jesse come to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab. And he inquired of the Lord for him, that is Ahimelech, the priest, inquired of the Lord for David and gave him food and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. So the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, and all of his father's house, and the priests were there at Nob, and they all of them came to the king. Now Saul said, Hear now, thy, thou son of Ahetab. And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, and that you have given him bread and a sword, and you've inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this day? And Ahimelech answered the king and said, and who is so faithful among all of your servants as David, which is the king's son-in-law, and goes at your bidding and is honorable in thy house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me. Let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all of the house of my father, for thy servant knew nothing of all of this, less or more. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about, Saul. I didn't really conspire. I'm not against you. And, and you don't have any servant that's more faithful in all of your house than David. And the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, all of, all of you in your father's house. And the king said unto the footman that stood about him, turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand also is with David. And because they knew when he fled, they didn't show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the Lord, but 
The king said to Dog, Turn thou and fall on the priest. And Dog the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priest and slew them that day, 85 persons that wore the priest's gowns. Terrible, terrible crime. And Nob, the city of the priest, he smote with the edge of the sword, both men, women, children, little children that nursed, oxes, asses, sheep, the, with the edge of the sword. That which he wouldn't do against the enemies of God, he is now doing against the servants of God. And one of the sons of Ahimelech, whose name was Abiathar, escaped, and he fled after David. And Abiathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priest. And David said to Abiathar, I knew at that day when Dog the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all of the persons of your father's house. Stay with me, don't be afraid, for he that seeks my life is seeking your life, but with me you'll be safe. So the one escaped to David from the house of Ahimelech and David felt really responsible for the death of all those families. He, he knew that he made a mistake in letting this Doeg go. He should have killed him. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they're robbing their threshing floor. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we're afraid here in Judah. How much worse have we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Now, David didn't have a very brave army at this point. Uh, the guy said, hey, man, we're afraid here. It's even worse if we go against the Philistines. So David inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord answered him and said, arise and go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David and his men went to Keilah, and they fought with the Philistines, and they brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now, it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David, that he came down with the ephod in his hand. Now, it was through the ephod that they inquired of the Lord. And so it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah, and Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand because he's gone into a walled city. Now we can surround him and capture him. So Saul called all of the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul was on his way down. So David inquired of the Lord, and he said, Lord, will the men of Keilah deliver me into the hands of Saul? Now David had delivered the city from the Philistines, but yet the men weren't really faithful to David. And the Lord answered and said, yes, the men of Keilah will deliver you into the hands of Saul. So David, and now his band had grown to about 600 men, they fled from Keilah, and they fled to the area of the wilderness and the strongholds that were in the mountains and wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into Saul's hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood. And he strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel. And I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul my father knows. Now, Saul was becoming aware of the fact that God's anointing was off of his life, and Saul knew that David was going to be the king. And what he's trying to do is hold on to the kingdom that he knows is not his. 
Now, Jonathan, his son, recognized that David was going to be king also, and Jonathan said, I'll be your right-hand man. Jonathan is actually taking a very beautiful attitude towards David. His love was so great that he was willing to let David be exalted. He was willing to just be a, a, a helper, a right-hand man to David. He was willing to abdicate the throne for David's sake, to step down, to let David rule. I know you're going to be king. I'll be your right-hand man. Don't be afraid. My dad won't catch you. He won't find you, you know, because, you know, this is what God has in mind. And Jonathan was expressing these things to David. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Then the Ziphites came to Saul and Gibeah, saying, David's hiding with us in the strongholds in the wood, in the hill of uh, Hekela, which is on the south of Jezamon. Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul. Come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hands. So Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. What a phony character, using spiritual language in such evil things. You know, it's possible to just get sort of a spiritual jargon going, and, and, and you don't have enough discernment to know when to use it. You use it even for corrupt things. You know, uh, praise the Lord, I really ripped him off, you know. And, and it's horrible the way people can use spiritual language for such corrupt things. Oh, blessed be of the Lord. You've shown compassion on me. Oh. Not all who say, Lord, Lord, are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. A lot of people use the right jargon, spiritual jargon, but they're just not going to make it. It's not what you say. It's not what comes out of a man's mouth that defiles him. Or it's actually, it is what comes out of the mouth, but this, this dualness out of the mouth with blessings out of the same fountain proceeds, uh, you know, bitter and sweet water, blessings and curses, such things should not be. So here's the blessing, but soon curses. Go, I pray you, and prepare, and know and find out the place where he's hiding and who has seen him, and be careful because this guy is very subtle. And take all knowledge of all of the lurking places where he hides himself and come and tell me of certainty. And I'll go with you and it will come to pass that if he's in the land, I'll search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul, but David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon in the plain in the south of Jezamon. And so Saul also with all of his men went to seek him, and it was told David, wherefore he came down into the rock and abode in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men were on the other mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul, for Saul and his men had circled David, and his men had encompassed him to take them. So Saul, I mean, David had been surrounded by Saul's men. Looks like he's had it. But there came a messenger unto Saul saying, haste and come for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing David, went against the Philistines. Therefore they called the place Selah Hamalekoth, which is the Craig of divisions. And David went up from there and he dwelt in the strongholds of En Gedi. So David now headed again down towards the wilderness area of the Dead Sea. And Gedi is about, oh, 
20 miles probably from where the Jordan comes into the Dead Sea. On the west bank of the Dead Sea, and En Gedi is a beautiful spot. The word En Gedi means wild goats, and it is a place where there are still a lot of the ibex, the wild goats of Israel. But the neat thing about En Gedi, you see you're, the Dead Sea there is about 1,282 feet below sea level. Because you are so low, there are springs because, uh, you know, you're, you're a, at 1,000 feet below sea level. Uh, actually, the spring of En Gedi is at about oh, 800 feet, 700 feet below sea level. And it just springs out there and from the pressure and of the underground water and all. There's a beautiful spring and it, there's the neatest waterfalls and fern canyons and wild fig trees growing up the sides of the canyons and, and all kinds of caves around there and just a beautiful place to hide out. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 21 through 23 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, and may your life be an instrument in God's hand this week. May God help you to share his love with those that are still sitting in darkness. And may you experience the anointing of God's Spirit upon your life in a new and a very special way as he empowers you to do his work. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Every year, Pastor Chuck used to give a prophecy update to prepare Christians to be ready to give an answer to anyone who wants to know what the Bible says about the future. And right now, The Word for Today would like to offer you resources that will help you comprehend and unravel the scriptures that pertain to prophecy, such as Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation, or a collection of DVDs that relate to Israel, the rapture, and the Holy Spirit in the last days. 
I encourage you as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to become informed about what the Bible says about the soon return of Jesus Christ and to be able to share your faith with others. For more information about resources concerning biblical prophecy, call the Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.